Hi there. Hello. Welcome back to Confidently Insecure. So we know it's been a while since our last episode. We are very sorry. I know. It's been a long time, but we are back. And this time, we actually have our lovely friend Sarah joining us to host. Yeah. And uh, this time, I thought we'd bring these guys on the road. So we're here in Halifax, Nova Scotia, at the uh, Canadian Celebration of Women in Computing. So basically, we're at a conference uh, with a bunch of women in tech. And so we decided to make this episode about being a woman in tech in your early career. Yeah, so we ended up doing a live taping of the podcast um, as one of the talks at this conference, and it was a blast. Thank you so much to everyone that came out for it. That was just awesome. Um, and we're really excited for you to hear it today. Enjoy. This is the next question that I actually would love to move on to. Um, and I'm wondering if it's the question, can you show emotions at work? Right, and maybe as a sub question, like as a software developer or even as a, an operations person, like what place does emotion have at you know a corporate company or even a startup as well? So, so as an emotional being, I have a lot of thoughts and feelings about this. Um, for real though, so um, this stereotype of what a developer is, I know I mentioned earlier that I feel like I did struggle a lot. Um, with my computer science degree, but even in university, like I was um, really struggling with this stereotypical idea that I had of what a dev looked like and how they thought and what mattered to them. Um, and I really thought that was someone that you know dreamed of data and was not emotional and very logical and didn't love people that much. Basically, a computer in human form. And, um, I'm not that, like in any shape. <laughs> they can back me on it, like, um, and you know, for me though, that was super self-limiting because then I like, as soon as I decided that wasn't who I was, I self-selected out of that group, you know. And even though that was my degree and expertise focus for the four years, I really, I don't even think I realized how much I was struggling in school with this mental model that I didn't even fit myself into. Um, so the emotion bit definitely played a role in that. And I think um, heading into the workplace is where I actually really started to challenge the stereotype because I was getting paid to do a developer's job. So it started to become a little bit more clear to me that I am competent at this and I actually can do this and maybe I'm actually good at it. And really calling out my negative bias um, in my skill set. Fundamentally, yeah, I just, you want to add on? Yeah, so one thing that I learned, I remember I was in first year and it was this business communication course that I was taking and literally the lesson was to die before you cry. Like that's what we were taught in school. And she would even, like the professor even taught us ways like to, to use your fingers to stop yourself from crying. And so learning that when you're in first year, you're always like, it, that really develops into your workplace. And, and for some reason, I always thought that showing emotions or being an emotional person at work was a sign of weakness. And it wasn't until recently where I, you know, thought about it and talking to mentors really helped people in my organization. It was like, no, like being emotional means you care. And that's what you should have in a business. Right? You need people that care about the business and the people. And it's really just about controlling your emotions, I think. But I'm still like struggling that, with that as well. 
Yeah, I mean, I think emotions just have a bad rep. I, I, I really think that emotions are just so fundamental to how I do work. Like they, I think I'm good at my job because I care so deeply about what I do. And because I care, I'm able to empathize with all the different parties that come together to make the projects that I work on a success. So yeah, sometimes I'm sensitive about it, but I actually think it's a strength overall. I mean, and Jay and Lauren, have, like, when we were kind of planning the episode and planning out what we were going to talk about, they, they kept bringing up this, like, emotions at work. I was like, I, I guess, I don't know. I'm generally just, like, I, I do the work at work. I don't know. Like, does it play? I don't know. But I think that um, the, I'm trying, I was trying to, like, rack my brain for, like, what strong emotions have I felt at work? Like, I don't know. But I would say, like, the most, the one that keeps coming up is, like, frustration, right? Like, if we're working on... Um, a certain demo or something and like it's just not working I get really frustrated and but part of me like doesn't want to I guess in terms of like what I hold back is like I don't want to show that because to me it seems like if I show that I'm frustrated it means that I don't understand it which means that I'm not smart enough which shows that I'm not supposed to be here because I never see my colleagues get frustrated or I never see you know any you know so I think in a way I was almost telling myself that like I wasn't allowed like I hadn't earned the right to get frustrated yet or I hadn't earned the right to show emotion because I hadn't been there long enough or I wasn't senior enough or something like that. Um, but I think the reality is like when you're frustrated or when you're confused about something, you're angry, like more often than not, if you if you voice that, because there have been instances where I'm working on something and someone comes along across my desk and they're like, like, oh yeah, what's up? I'm like, oh man, I'm I'm actually I'm working on this thing, it's just not working. I don't know why. They're like, oh well, do you want me to take a look at it? I'm like, that would be amazing, yes, please. Um, but I like wasn't, you know, willing to ask it in the first place. But then they, yeah, they come around, they look at their at my stuff, they're like, oh well, why don't you try this, this, this? And within five minutes, it's solved. It's a non-issue, right? But meanwhile, I've been struggling with it and working on it for like hours, just being like so frustrated with working. And all it really takes is just asking the question. People are there to help you. Like people will be willing to help. And yeah, like yeah, like this concept of leaving emotions at the door. I just roll my eyes because honestly, I. I just think that, as Jay mentioned, like learning to control them is key. Um, you know, I want to be able to like be able to deal with my uh, when I'm feeling my ultimate highs and my ultimate lows. I want to be able to control that, but I, I'm allowed to feel them, and I should be encouraged to feel them. Um, and I think that on the point of you know feeling uh, embarrassed or not wanting to show frustration or anything like that, um, I also can definitely relate to feeling like as a junior female employee that maybe I haven't earned the right yet to feel sad or frustrated about something. Um, and I just I just think that when I actually think about that, that um, that I should be legitimizing my own emotions because like as junior employees, we are there for a reason. You're hired to a company for a reason and you have a spot and you are worthy of feeling whatever you gotta feel and, and having emotions about it. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Um, in, in like, when I think about like, okay, what can we do as, as people that have you know been working for a while or even as a, as a brand new employee, I think one of the things that really helps in this specific scenario is to just like recognize when you see somebody else going through, whether it's 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 a tough emotion or whether it's happiness, whatever, like sometimes I have a colleague that will that will come across and they'll I'll be working and they'll just say, You seem you seem really happy today. I'm like, What? Well, yeah, things have been going pretty great recently, actually. You know what I mean? And then it just gives me that boost of confidence, yeah. like, for the rest of the day. And I'm just like, yeah, I am having a good day. Like, things are going really well. Like, yeah, that's awesome, right? And, like, before he had said anything, I was just, you know, just another Wednesday, right? So I think that 
if you do see people that seem, you know, happier than usual, or just, you know, you know that they just completed a big project or something like that, like, say it, and it, it, it helps, right? So this concept, <laughs> work-life balance, I almost think it's a bad word at this point. I, I just want you to go ahead. Like, I don't get it. Like, I, 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 I don't understand why I've heard it so many times since first year, second year, third, and even like now. Like, it, I'm, I'm wondering if this is even a thing or why this is a thing, and it only seems to be relatable to us that we're only the ones thinking about five years from now, like, is how are we gonna handle work-life balance? And then when we're thinking about, we were actually talking about it, we are like, guys, like, five years from now, like, how, how are you gonna do work-life balance? Like, what's that, what's that gonna look like? <laughs> yeah, like we were, we were thinking about because at first it's like okay today work-life balance like making sure that you know you're getting enough sleep and that you're still showing up to work on time and that kind of thing and then we're like yeah and then like it's going to just get more complicated once we have to balance like kids and school and PTA and all this and then we're like wait a second why we're like in our 20s why are we thinking about this then we, we thought the flip side we're like I wonder if guys our age think I mean we couldn't even finish the sentence and we were like absolutely they don't think about that are you kidding me so anyways um but I think you have, you had a really good way of like compartmentalizing it into like more than just two buckets yeah absolutely so at another conference that I went to called the art of leadership for women it's really really awesome um there's this awesome speaker that basically talked about time um and just the mentality towards time which basically said that the best way to um have the most time is to plan ahead of time and I really liked that um she gives like a lot of advice to like CEOs and I was like that's really awesome but like let me like give like a little little tip that I could take that was tangible away from that talk and what it was is that she separates life into three categories which is work relationships and self and then what she recommended to do is on a Friday afternoon before going into the weekend um, to make sure that you are spending your weekends uh, not uh, making sure that you're, you're happy with how you're spending your time on the weekends, um, make a list going into it of what you want to get out of those three categories of life. And so I tried this and so I would add like, brunch with my mom to relationships and um, work out and then Netflix for two hours uh, to life and and then work things and books I wanted to read and all these kind of things. And what was so cool about this exercise um, was that at the end of the weekend, instead of feeling like, oh, I just wasted another weekend, I was like, I accomplished everything I wanted to accomplish. And it was including my relationships and the time for myself and whatever I define as the time for myself, not necessarily what maybe I think society thinks I should be doing for myself. Um, and I've experienced, I've gotten a lot of shame for the way that I thought I took care of myself was because when you're right, like when you start the career and you're with your uh, colleagues who are the similar age, they have this idea that like you always have to have a side hustle. You always have to be like <laughs> learning, reading, like running at like waking up at like 5 a.m. Like it was like if you don't wake up at 5 a.m. Like what are you doing with your life? Like Jay, like shouldn't you be you know really spending you know your youth like you maximizing your youth? Like are you sure you're gonna have the energy? And for the longest time, because I like to just stay at home and Netflix for 15 hours and just do nothing. <laughs> You know, I really need that. And for a long time, I almost felt so insecure about saying that and letting that, you know, known to, to my peers about, about about admitting like my Netflix habits. Like, and so now, like, I actually schedule a day to myself where I just watch whatever I want, 
with whatever position I'm in on my bed. And I don't let, you know, anyone dictate like that this is not productive because for me, it works. It works and it matters and I need it to, to be my whole self and to make it through another week. Just to add more validation to that, like I live, I live with Jay, her roommates, and um, it is the funniest thing ever. Like I will leave in the morning and she's in this one position, and I get back hours later and she's in the same position. But honestly, it is what works for her, and I super support it. And it actually is teaching me to make more time for myself in whatever capacity I want to, and it's awesome. Um, you're welcome. Um, I do want to talk about burnout because you know how I was saying earlier, and I still stand by it, but I was saying earlier that on top of your degree, learn copsi. Like, I'm telling you to do a lot of things in order to be set up for success for your career, but at the same time, like, I don't mean to perpetuate a culture of burnout, which is a real phenomenon with our uh, generation, like it is nuts, and I've experienced it. You know, it's been two years in my company, and it's been amazing. But of course, I've experienced burnout, um, and so we really like we don't. Um, I personally don't think that this culture of grinding uh, is a healthy one. So instead of, I don't know what the name is yet that we like, instead of work-life balance, but it really should just be like some sort of more, um, I think purposeful way of spending your time and mindful way of checking in with yourself to make sure that you are okay and that you're doing what's important to you. When I remember when I was uh, when I was younger, my my dad had us. We were just having dinner, and after dinner, he brought out this like uh, like flower vase, basically. It was just like a square glass container, and he was like, "I want to do something with you guys." Talking about being a sister, and I was, and he had a bunch of marbles, and then he had this big rock, and I was like, "Well, okay, looks like a fun arts and crafts project. Let's let's see what this is." And uh, he's like, "Okay, here's the challenge. You have this bucket, like the, you know, this this vase." And I want you to fit as much of what's on the table here into that bucket. I was like, okay, challenge accepted. So I'm like, look at all, like, there's tons of little marbles and stuff, right? So I'm like, okay, put those in there first, get them all in there. And then I got to the rock, I was like, challenge of these does not fit anymore because it's full of marbles. This is, okay, let's try that again. Like, you know, different variations of it. But basically, the lesson there was like, the only way to fit all of that stuff in is to put the big rock in first, right? Because the big rock will take up as much room as it takes. And then the marbles will fall around it, right? At the end of the day, there's still marbles that don't fit in, right? Like there's still marbles that you have to leave on the table that won't make it in to the to the vase. And it's really just like you know the now I understand much better years later than I did when I was you know ten that it's really the metaphor for work-life balance, right? Is that the vase is you? You can only have so much in a week, in a day, in an hour, whatever, and you have to decide every time how you're gonna sort out the big rocks from the marbles. And while we were doing that exercise, you know, you're filling it up, you're like, okay, doing a great job, and then you start adding things to the table, and it's like, no, 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 you said there was this many marbles, you said there was 15, not 35, like, no, 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 I didn't, but that's life, right? Like, that. that's the reality, is that as you are like, okay, I have my to-do list, I check, 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 and then someone comes across your desk, like, yeah, I'm gonna need you to do um, X, Y, Z, da, 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 and you're like, oh, but I didn't plan for that. It's like, well, you don't get to. You know, so every time something comes across, you have to reassess and say, okay, is this a rock or a marble? If it's a rock, let's try and fit it in there. If it's not, maybe it has to wait till next week and when I get a new vase, you know? So um, now that that vase kind of sits, it sits on my aunt's desk at work and, um, you know, every time that, that, that I walk to their office, I, I see it and, and it's kind of that constant reminder of like, 
you can only have so much, right? So you have to constantly be revising what it is that gets to be there. Okay, so we have one more question from us. We're getting really excited to hear your questions. Start thinking of them now. Um, but yeah, we wanted to talk about unconscious bias, which I'm sure we've talked about or heard about a lot so far throughout the conference. But we really wanted to talk about it from you know, a junior perspective and what we think can be done about it because it's so important. So what even is like unconscious bias? I, I don't really have a definition of that. Well, Jay, if you Google it, um, the first thing that comes up is essentially that unconscious bias um, is social stereotypes. Uh, they're about certain groups of people and we all come to work with them. So we all have these unconscious stereotypes that we have that form biases. And the reason that that happens is because like our brain works well when it can like categorize things. And um, what I want to talk about too is kind of how this is impacting us. New, new research and new rhetoric is basically all saying, and this is what I feel, is that kind of women are doing you know, everything they've been asked to do at this point. So as that junior employee, I have the education that I need in order to be there. I've done the networking, I've gone to these conferences and these events, I've met the right people, and I have the right like experience. But women are so greatly underrepresented in um, leadership in Canada and globally. Yeah, I don't know, I, I think it's just like recognizing, you know, if there's certain events that say, like I try and get, get out to events every now and then throughout the week, so I'll go on Eventbrite and, and just look at the list of like what's happening around me and that's not too far because I you know don't want to take too long to get home at the end of the night but are like even looking at a list like that like when you're scrolling through like are there certain events that you're just automatically passing by without really thinking about why because that to me is maybe one example of, of my own unconscious bias like yeah there's certain events that for example there's a bunch of like a while ago there's of course, blockchain is like a huge thing right now, right? There was a bunch of like blockchain events that I was just like, yeah, pass, pass, pass. But then I was like, wait, what, am I doing that because I don't care about it or I don't want to learn about it? Or is it because I don't think I belong there? Or like, you know, and I, I don't know, I'm still kind of jury's out on that one, but uh, but it's just that, that act of like questioning it, right? Like just having that like internal thought, I guess, with yourself of like checking in every now and then like, okay, is this something that I'm actively choosing or am I just kind of, like, you know, self-selected. You know what? I, I just caught this, that I have been basically living my four year of undergrad with unconscious bias because I always identify someone who hated numbers, who's not into design, so I always just blocked it out. So whenever there were opportunities to like learn more about like this type of role, I would just, like what Sarah did, pass, data science, pass, uh, math, pass, science, pass, like, and that's what I did, and the thing is, I do math, I manage payments um, at Claire Bank and I work with math every single day and it's so crazy to, to, to see that before I totally did not even dare to identify myself as, I'm, even, I'm not even gonna try because I know I'm not gonna succeed. But, but my, my counter question to you would be, when was it that that switched for you? I think it was like inter, intermittent. So once I got uh, into Claire Bank, I was like, oh, wow, I, I got into a fintech company, cool. And then I started doing my roles in sales and I and then I had another goal of like, you know what, what if I do more operation stuff? Like, and then two months later, oh, I just did these operational tasks. And then two months later, I would set another goal for myself where I was like, you know what, Jay, let's, now that you're doing operations, let's really learn Excel. Pass forward to now, 
yo, like I'm like, yeah, I, I can, I don't need a mouse for Excel, right? And that was, that was really meaningful to me because, and that just shows me that even though when I think about what I want to do, it seems so far away, but if I have smaller goals, you really like, it's so cool to see how you achieve that. And you have to really recognize that, yes, I did this. Um, obviously, I didn't do it myself. I really had a great support network. And as a junior employee, I think having the support of like senior, some, some of the senior people in your organization or outside your organization is super, super key because they will validate, you know, the insecurities that you're feeling. They can give you some, you know, of their experiences and you really get to learn from their mistakes. So one thing that I love to do when I sit down with someone who I consider a mentor is I ask for their, um, can I say the word? I asked for their F story, F up story. I asked for their fuck up story. <laughs> um, and that is the most interesting because, uh, and they and they really like, and you know, hearing about that. And when you listen to their experiences and the mistakes that they made, you can really learn from that mistake and, and do something else. And, and yeah, so that's how I, I see it now. Yeah, I think there's definitely two parts of this. There's that internal part of making sure you don't self-select yourself out of um, certain programs or options. And then there's making sure that your environment supports you um, in achieving whatever that, whatever you want to achieve, right? And not uh, putting any biases against you in achieving that. Um, and I actually think that um, that is really a leadership and executive responsibility. Um, I have some amazing leaders in my company that are really fortunate uh, to have mentored me and helped push me towards opportunities. And those champions are the reason I have enough confidence to be here and talk to you today, right? And I, it's really, really key to make sure that you, are, you work in an environment, especially as a junior employee, um, with supportive leaders that will talk to you about things like unconscious bias. And you can have these open conversations because, frankly, there's business value for them when they're junior employees and when all of their employees uh, feel comfortable speaking about whatever it is they want to speak about. That leads to creativity and innovation and all that awesome stuff. Yeah, I mean, I, I think it does go back to, like, Thinking back to the, the speaker that we heard on um, on the first night last night, talking about how it's not a support group for each other and for, for us in computer science, or whether it's you know a support group of uh, women in, in your in your own organizations, it's a support group for the school or for the like the organization itself or for the company, right? It's like we're here to make everyone else feel like they have a place here and that they can do their best work to support the the goals and initiatives of the company, right? So. Um, yeah, it's just a, I really liked that way that she phrased it to, to think about it. And the thing too is that it's not, it's, I mean, we're here at a, at a women's computing conference, so obviously we're, we're taking a women's lens on it, but recognizing that this, this issue of, you know, insecurities and confidence, especially in your first couple years at work, is not a female issue, right? Like everybody has them, everybody is concerned about something, but some people voice it more than others, right? And so I, I really appreciate the, the point that Jay made about, yeah, like asking someone to like, I mean, in, not maybe in these exact words, but like, what are you insecure about, yeah. basically, right? Like, you wouldn't say like that, but we're kind of asking for those stories of, you know, I'm looking to, you know, just understand and basically validate the things that I'm feeling, so can you maybe share some experiences that you've had that, that are the same, and, and you will always get an answer, absolutely. Um, and if you guys have any questions uh, about us or about anything that we talked about, if you disagree, if you agree, if you have some interesting perspective, uh, more personal experiences, we would love to, to hear that.
we will give out t-shirts. <laughs> would, would you like to share some more fuck-ups? <laughs> Well, I remember being in my third or fourth year, and uh, in business school, you go to a lot of conferences, and they make you do like case presentations. So at that time, I thought I had it. Like I was like, I've done presentations, I got this. And we were in a group with like first year and second years, and my role was basically to introduce the team. Um, I was like, yeah, I got this. I've done this so many times. Yeah, I don't even need to practice. So then I went, and I was the first person. And with these uh, case. Uh, presentations you get time right so I remember standing up there and my team was there and they were all younger than me and the room was younger than me too and I completely blacked out like it was just white and I ended up just starting uh, uh, <laughs> for like two minutes and therefore we completely don't mind my language fucked up our entire presentation no one got to present and I thought that was the biggest failure for me like literally the next day I didn't even want to step into my business building because I thought everyone knew everyone knew about this and it was like oh my gosh she's a fourth year how could she like mess up like this and literally I would be I would think about like me on stage and all of your faces I thought you every single one of you guys knew about my fuck up and so that actually stayed with me for about three days um, it really it really affected my ego it really uh, affected my confidence and I was insecure about everything and this whole thing about imposter syndrome I really let it take over me I like couldn't even go to class so I actually had to speak to one of my uh, like close friends so someone like Lauren uh, to me and, and really get over that and and it was it was a point so after I finally accepted that yes this happened and I, I forgave myself I actually walked in like it was a huge huge thing to walk, walk, go back into the building and it was like no one everyone was just doing their own thing and so at that moment I said wow like people really don't remember you <laughs> like they got their own shit going on like they're not actually gonna identify or remember you as that one failure right they instead they remember you as the character that you are and you know the relationship that built with them so now whenever I, I mess up you know pretty bad and publicly I really just tell myself you know what like people like they're not actually gonna remember you and if you think about the other way too if you were if I were in that classroom I would not remember that girl as a girl who like messed up entirely like forever right <laughs> yeah, I mean I think the same way that like when you have this negative bias and you can only see you know where you went wrong like that's not all the evidence. Like Jay has more evidence than most people I know that she's amazing, right? And so to think that everyone would look at her as the girl that blinked out on the presentation, like it's just so incorrect. Um, to give like a backside the story of all this Studio Q thing that we're hyping up. Um, so when I did, uh, was Sarah and Jay's boss for that short amount of time in my life, they're soon to be my bosses someday. Um, I honestly thought I had messed that up so bad. Like I, it was this. It is still this thing that I'm so proud that I did. But um, at the time on campus, it was two media services that were merging into one. It was like very controversial, and I'm not. I don't mean to minimize it. It's just that like um, a lot of people, a lot of alumni, had a lot of thoughts on it, and I was supposed to take. I was part of one group, and it was like the uncool group kind of going into it. So like, I was already a disadvantage there. Um, but I was still gonna go for it. I was still gonna apply. I really wanted to be head manager of this service that cared deeply about it, and that we were creating a creative space on campus for students. And honestly, like, it was kind of a mess. Like, I mean, I made the logo. That was good. I really tried to make a strategy. But I was going into something where 
I, you know, it was like 70 student volunteers, half of them hating me before I got there. Like, I wasn't exactly set up to succeed, but there was also my own role in not really preparing for that job uh, as best as I could. And there's actually so many instances now and over the last two years that I have thought back to, oh, if I had done that differently at Studio Q, like it would have been better. And it doesn't necessarily mean that I, you know, wish I had done things all that differently. Like I'm really glad they worked out, but um, there's two sides to every story. So although I really appreciate that, and I, I really do appreciate her saying that I did a good job, but for me, that is actually one of my like biggest uh, failures or mess ups that I, that I have, but it's a good experience, I learned a lot. We have one more. I think we have time for one more and one more teacher shot. Okay. Hello. Hi. Um, so coming out of um, university, how did you decide on what you were going to do? Because I assume like there are a lot of options available to you. So how did you like just pick one? And how do you feel about like how long you might be doing what you're doing before you try something else? Or how do you decide? I mean, for me, I honestly thought that I was going to go into media. It was really to a point where I was just like, media or nothing at all. And initially, I, I went for media, didn't work out, but I was like, okay, what's a, what's a balance between media and business? Okay, uh, advertising. Went for advertising, didn't work out. And when I say didn't work out, it means they rejected me. Um, <laughs> so those are all of my failures in, in a bucket. But really, um, I sort of to realize why do I want to go into media and why do I enjoy going into Studio Q so much is because I love the people. Like Studio Q was a place where all the different degrees came together because they love being creative and creating something. And I and I thought of that and I was like, okay, in what place can I can I do this? Because at this point I was like, I'm really open for anything. Um, who, who wants me? But at the same time, I knew what kind of vibe I wanted. So based on that, I knew that whatever industry, whatever company I work with, I'm going to choose that. And I think that really followed through with ClearBank as well. Um, I think one piece of advice, too, that I want to give is go with your gut. Yeah. Like, honestly, like you have to be excited about what you're going into um, and not to undervalue yourself and your own skills. Um, especially entry level jobs, it's totally fine. It's, like, I mean, there's a lot of things for that's like a lot of research that shows that women don't apply to jobs um, if they don't if they don't feel they meet 100% of the qualifications, but men only feel they need to um, meet 60%, which is really interesting. Um, and you know, I think that awareness of that of seeing you know something that excites you and talking to people at that company in that role. You know, you have every right to do your research, um, but when you go for interviews and all that stuff, like, you should view it as you're interviewing them as much as they're interviewing you. Like, you gotta be yourself. You gotta know your own value and know what you can offer and be able to express that to them. To what you don't like. That is one thing that a lot of us really don't think about, but it's, it's like the body feeling. Like, when you when your body knows it doesn't vibe with something, it will send some sort of message or you'll feel something or I don't know. But it's really to listen to that voice because at this point, you don't know what exactly you want to do and how you're going to get there. Yeah, for real. Learning what you don't want, I actually have found it's even more valuable than learning what I do want. Can I just narrow it down?
So we really hope that you enjoyed listening to our live taping, first ever <laughs> live taping of Confidently Insecure. That was so much fun, and it was like awesome. to have the yeah. the students really like fully engaged. Yeah, like, we had like seventy students show up. It's amazing. Yeah. yeah. I was a little worried at the beginning, honestly. It was looking kind of empty, but... Uh, <laughs> they filled in. They filled in. Yeah. Yeah. And really awesome questions at the end there. And what was super special is that uh, I think it was the way... Like, the, the, the overall discussion that we had was in the perspective of uh, a young person. Woman in tech. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. You know, I think, um, obviously, we're at this conference. Like, we have amazing, many amazing, um, much more... Uh, experienced professionals come and give their perspective but I think what we really wanted to try and do here was just make sure that from a relatable voice students and professionals at this conference could hear um, that they're really not alone in <laughs> the stuff they go through and that um, you know there is no perfect straight path and especially not right at the beginning no. and so making sure that you don't feel alone um, is really really important. Mm -hmm. Yeah, whether you're in university, whether you just started university, whether you just graduated university or you're well into your career as well, like, let us know what you think um, if we hit all the, the points. If, if not, also let us know as well. Um, we would love to, to continue this discussion and see where that takes. Yeah, absolutely. Peace! <laughs>